When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. CLNS's Patriots coverage is powered by our exclusive wagering partners at betonline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your welcome bonus. Let's do this, Patriots post game, game one of the preseason. Uh, Evan Lazar in Foxborough. Evan, you got a little, what's going on behind you? Oh, I don't know. Someone, someone moving some, some plates, it looks like. It's like sleigh bells. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're hopefully getting there. Yeah. Getting Uh, their way. Yeah. So, I mean, look, there's, there's no reason to, try you know we want to get people in the room here uh as you're just joining us uh game got out interviews going on evan is down in foxborough i was there earlier as well um people went there to see you know and it, look great to have fans back in there felt like a real thing sure. it, was, it was very cool to kind of be back in 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 something that felt very normal uh, yeah but everybody's there to see not just the return to football and the first time in a year you get fans in the stands uh, or obviously more than a year but they're there to see the quarterback competition. You got to see both guys play today, uh, Cam Newton, and then Mac Jones extended action, some with the starters, got got at least one rep with the offensive line, and then some offensive starters beyond that carried well into the second half. Uh, and so he played with second teamers, third teamers. Um, we got to see a little bit of everything. We got to see him run a no huddle. So just first impressions, Mac Jones, what you saw. And I'll say right out of the gate, results aside, the one thing that is very clear, it looks like a Patriots offense when Mac Jones runs it, less right. so when Cam Newton runs it. I think that's pretty clear, but I don't know what you're seeing when you're watching Mac there. You know, uh, you know your overall thoughts on his on on his night. I would say the two most the two things that stood out the most to me were number one, poise. Right, yeah. he just it doesn't look too big for him. He looks comfortable out there. He looks like he's in command of the offense. The numbers. The second thing I would say is his accuracy, I think everybody gets caught up in actual ball placement when we study accuracy and and charting. Where is is it an accurate ball? Is it an inaccurate ball? With Mac, what I consistently see with him is he just has a really good understanding of where the ball needs to be on top of the fact that he has a good under a good ability as a thrower to get it to that spot. Right. So I, I think the most important thing that you see out of him is just thoughtful accuracy, which basically is a fancy way of saying 
he puts the ball where only his receiver is going to catch it. It's either going to be a catch by his receiver or it's going to be incomplete. And he's not putting the ball up for grabs. He's not throwing it into coverage. He's not throwing it in the, into traffic. And I think the two throws that really stood out to me were the first one being on that play action pass to Kendrick Bourne on that dig route right early on. I think it was yep. his second or his third throw yep. when he got in there. He sells the fake, hits the top of the drop, makes a decisive decision about where he's going to go with it, and then fits the ball in between four defenders. In traffic, a right. tight window, yeah. Right, that's an NFL throw, and that's an that's the timing and the rhythm of the drop-back passing game on that particular play is what the Patriots want it to look like. Because right? that, That's the way it's supposed to look. It's all timing, too, because, I mean, to be fair, he's not drilling that ball in there either, you know? I mean, so he has to – the timing has to be perfect in order to get a ball in between those receivers, and you have to throw it with a lot of confidence and poise because you know you're not – you're not. there's not a lot of RPMs on that ball. It just isn't – it just isn't what he does. I assume the second throw is going to be the the, the would-be touchdown to Wilkerson down the sideline. So that was a good throw, but it actually wasn't the second throw, and we can talk about that one in a second. It was another one to Wilkerson, though, and it was – later on during that no huddle two-minute drill that the Patriots ran right out of the gate in the second half. So third and three, Christian Wilkerson is running a little kind of hitch route. I might have had a little bit of an option on it. Only he could tell me that. And he, Mac Jones sees, first of all, just to go through the read a little bit, the first thing that Mac Jones sees is that the linebacker, the off-ball linebacker in the middle of the field is in man coverage on the running back. So that the, the running back's route into the flat is going to pull the linebacker underneath from out of, out of the way of the Christian Wilkerson right. route. Right, So that's number one is, okay, the linebacker isn't dropping underneath the route. He's going to move out of the passing window. Check. The next thing that he reads is that the defender that's on Christian Wilkerson in man coverage is sitting on Christian Wilkerson's inside hip, right? So what does Mac do when he when Christian Wilkerson starts to gather and get into his break? He throws the ball with anticipation, so the ball comes out quickly, right? Gets it there with anticipation so that when Wilkerson turns around, the ball is right on his outside hip, away from the defender to his inside. So that's the type of quick processing and ball placement against underneath coverage or against those shallow coverages, right, on those quick throws that you really want to see out of a Patriots quarterback, and in particular a guy like Mac Jones, who is going to live with a lot of those types of throws. He averaged about 7.6 uh, air yards per attempt, right? Our average depth of target. He wasn't exactly airing it out, right? This, he had the one throw to Wilkerson. He had the one throw he tried to hit Gunner on down the yeah. field. Those were the two times where he threw the ball over 10 yards in the mm-hmm. air. But those quick decisions, the good accuracy and the underneath throws, well, that looks like the Patriots offense. It looks like the Patriots offense. Well, we can't see. And again, I was there for, I was there for, for a bit of it in the first half. Um, but you, you know, you have the, we do have the luxury of being able to see the field better, obviously, when you're at the game there. So, uh, you can't see on TV whether or not, you know, he makes a throw if he missed somebody open. Um, and, right. and so are any of those situations where, you know what, he might have been able to press it downfield and he took the easy check down? Was Mac being exceedingly cautious or conservative or was he just taking what the defense was giving him? 
I think he took the defense, what the defense gave him beautifully, honestly. And the check down to J.J. Taylor was a great example of that. A couple of them. The, the coverage goes upfield, right, in the linebacker level, the second level of the defense, is, try, is trying to drop underneath those intermediate routes, which is really where Mac is trying to go with the football. And the defense knows that, right? The defense knows that he's going to attack that area between the numbers at the sticks, and that's where the Patriots want to live. So they kind of back off, right, and then instead of just – holding the football and trying to see if somebody comes open at the second or the third level of the defense, he dumps it off to JJ Taylor and JJ Taylor ends up running for 11 yards on the check down, right? Because those linebackers aren't able to close on him quick enough because Matt gets the ball out so quickly. So those types of quick decisions and getting the football out and knowing, okay, this is what the defense is giving me. This is the best option that I have on this particular play. I don't want to call it Brady-like because that's unfair to him. But that's the type of timing and rhythm and just sort of the the idea of the whole offense, right? That's what they're try- the objective that Josh McDaniels is trying to get across to, to Mac Jones. Now, I thought the moments where he did have a few slip-ups, the – slant slash under route that he threw on third down that was a lightning quick decision that he probably should have looked to try to hit a longer route down the field it was a third and six, on the I third down was. where he took the right that was probably the one where he right. that, that play was going nowhere even if he if, if, if he hits it he needed something more than that and that was a bad read probably yeah it, he he seemed to dictate a lot of things that he was doing pre-snap and uh, before that he hit christian wilkerson on a little comeback route on third and five or third and six and he was able to convert it and, and get it past the sticks it was slant flat to the right side for him and then he had the backside route with Wilkerson and he saw the one-on-one with Wilkerson and said I'm just going to attack this this matchup over here yeah. and there's there was numbers for the defense to his right with this with the combination and he said I'm going to attack this matchup over here and it worked out for him on that the next time he kind of went back to that well again and it sort of seemed like a little bit of a force the other thing I would just mention and this is one throw and one minor little detail but he threw a ball in the flat to Jakob Johnson that Jakob Johnson made a nice catch yeah, down for but it was behind yeah, him he made a nice catch on it and I would and say that it was I, I'm not going to nitpick the, the throw in terms of the accuracy and things like that but if you watch Mac Jones's he was feet, so mad if you watch Mac if you watch Mac Jones's feet on that particular play his dropbacks from under center I think is still a work in progress for him and I it's not something that he did a ton at Alabama yeah. this was a quarterback that operated in the shotgun over 90 percent of the time in college so I think that you watch his footwork on play action drops, it looks pretty smooth. But yeah. straight dropbacks from under center like that particular play, they're not going to happen a lot. Maybe they'll do it two or three times a game, but they're not going to happen a ton. And we saw that a little bit as of a struggle there on that particular play. But the last thing I wanted to say about Mac is just, especially in that no huddle sequence in some of the series that they got into in the second half, you definitely saw a, a, a script for Josh McDaniels with Mac Jones, right? You saw the Mac Jones offense sort of come to fruition there. They ran a couple of run pass options. They ran a quick, no huddle, high pace, short passing attack. You saw what the vision was a little bit. They did tip their hand, I thought, just a tad. of This is what it's going to sort of be like when Mac Jones is the quarterback, and, and it looks like an offense that he can run pretty well. Well, so again, 
you know, in addition to uh, people will always, you're going to analyze the performance and, and nitpick it. And, you know, you, we do this at training camp and everyone's charting completions and plays. And this guy was good today. This guy was good today and back and forth, but reading the tea leaves just into how, the choices they made today, which was give Cam his series and then let Mac run and then, right. and, and have Mac do everything. And again, this has been, I think, clear from day one of training camp. It is clear they are trying to see whether he's ready for this job and they're throwing every single thing possible at him. And tonight seemed like another case of that, which is go go try run with the ones, run with the twos, run a no huddle. You're out there, kid. Go. And he just did. Right. And that's, I think, a, a really good point about. A, the no huddle element of it I thought was important, and Belichick mentioned after the game he was asked why no huddle in that situation. He wanted the two-minute drill before the half. They actually called a timeout before the half, and the defense just uh, couldn't get off the field, and they didn't get it. So they basically were simulating a two-minute drill for themselves at the beginning of the third quarter by going no huddle with Mac. And then the other thing that I I think was really important was that one series that he got with the starting offensive line, because they could have waited and they could have put Mac Jones in the next series, or they could have just pulled the starting offensive line that is there, but they didn't. He got a series with Trent Brown, Shaq Mason, Ferentz on Wenu and win. And I think that that was telling now Matt, Cam's the starter, right? I mean, Cam was the guy that started tonight. He is the guy that's running with the ones in practice. He's the guy that's running with ones in pregame warm-ups. He is the starter right now. But when you see it, I mean, when, when you look at this offense, it, the Patriots' offense comes out when Mac Jones is in the game. And, and secondly to that, you definitely see them giving him all the opportunities they possibly can to have him run through that door, right? And and he's going to have to knock the door open. He's going to have to kick it in, right, if he's going to take the job week one. But you see them giving him that chance, and I'm really fascinated. I'll be out there in Philadelphia uh, early next week. I'm really interested to see in those joint practices how much run Mac gets against the the Eagles' starting defense next week. My philosophy is a little different than yours, Evan. I know you'd say he has to win it, I, I part of me thinks he has to just not lose it. Not to say it's his. He has to he has to look like he's not lost. I think ultimately if they think he's going to be their starter in week 3 or week 4 or week 5, there's no reason to not make him your starter in week 1. I don't think he's going to get better between week 1 and 4. All you're doing at that point is waiting for Cam Newton to fail because you're not Max not going to impress you in practices during that time. He's not going to get any better. So you're going to know if he's ready in week four, he's ready in week one because he's probably going to be the same guy. You're really just rolling Cam out there so he fails and waiting for him to fail if Mac is going to be your starter. So my opinion, I, I believe if they think it's close, it makes sense to just roll the dice with Mac. If he, if Unless he's puking all over himself when he gets on the field and looks like the moment's too big for him. But as long as he has nights like this, while unspectacular, if he can run this offense and you can give him the keys and feel okay with it, I don't, I don't see how you would go with Cam just because he's the veteran and he was the guy last year. It doesn't seem to make sense based on what it is that they're trying to do, which is run this type of offense where they can do a lot of different things as opposed to the playbook that they're giving Cam on a weekly basis. Right, and I, I think the, the point that I'm making about the Mac is going to have to take the job is that nothing is handed to anybody in New England. Right. Right? You have to earn everything that you get. And right now, I think that 
what Bill Belichick is doing is he's using Cam as the you need to take this job from Cam, right? Whether Bill actually thinks that Cam is the best guy for the job or not, or if Mac is there or not, I think that it, that's that's the obstacle he's trying to put in front of Mac to push Mac to to see if he can get what he wants out of him and. I, I don't know. I think there is some elements to, and I want, I've done some research into this in terms of when do first round quarterbacks actually start games in their, when's the sort of the, that line of time when they finally start get into the games. Now, sometimes you have the Patrick Mahomes example, right? Where he sits behind Alex Smith for an entire year and doesn't play until his second season. But for the most part, if you draft a quarterback in the first round, that guy plays not necessarily right away all the time, but he plays in his rookie season, right? You don't draft a guy but, in, at that point and not play him, right? But, but again, most te- and most quarterbacks you're talking about picked at the top of the draft are being picked by teams that obviously had massive quarterback issues, and you know that they're looking to start those guys. In a case of an Aaron Rodgers or a case right. of, a, uh, uh, you know, even again, Again, uh, Mahomes was a number 10 pick, but you're right. It's still a good team with a competent starter here. You know, the, the demarcation line usually seems to be right around the time where you feel like you're out of contention <laughs> or, you know, and you're right. like, well, we have nothing to lose. Let's let the kid grow. But the Patriots don't want to do that this year. You don't want to you don't want to go one and three with Cam before you pull the trigger there. You want to put a guy out there who you think gives you the best chance to win. Who do you think at this moment that person is? It's hard to tell because, and I know this is a cop-out answer, but it's hard seeing Mac Jones out there against Washington's twos and threes and sometimes even fours there, I think at times in the third quarter, you don't want to overreact to right. a preseason game where he's playing mostly 90% of the guys he's going up against are backup. So you don't want to sit here and say that he's ready to take the mantle just now, just yet. But I think from a stylistic perspective, I've always said this, and I said it from the day that they drafted him, Mac Jones is a better stylistic fit in the type of offense that Josh McDaniels wants to run than Cam Newton. It's just that simple. It's not saying that Cam is bad. It's not, I don't think that Cam stinks. I don't think that Cam, I think Cam has improved a lot on the margins in training camp this year. But I do think that Mac, the offense runs the way that McDaniels wants it to run with Mac. He sees the game the same way. He gets the ball out in a timely fashion. He does everything that you want a quarterback to do within the structure of this offense. And we talk a lot about Brady comparisons and, and, and you can take those or leave those. The guy that I constantly see when I see Mac play out there, a lot of, a lot of Pennington comps, but I'm going with another quarterback that wore number 10 for the Patriots. Not too long Jimmy? ago. Yeah. I, he looks a lot like Jimmy to me. He's actually, if you, if you put them side by side, based off, the, off the measurements, they're about the same size. Yeah. Right. And they both have quick releases. They both throw within 20 yards, extremely well. They throw a good touchdown the field, but they're definitely known for quick processing, get the football out accuracy within 20 yards, uh, that type of stuff. And, I think that Mac might be a better deep ball thrower when it's all said and done than Jimmy, but I'd see comparing him to Brady is totally unfair, right? So if you're going to try to make a comparison to a, a viable NFL starter right now, I, I see a lot of Jimmy G. Fair enough. Um, and I think that that's not a terrible comp. I actually still think there's a, there's a, there's a 10% chance Jimmy G is on the Patriots before this is all over. Um your your thoughts on a very limited performance cam and again you know 
you know, first drive stalls out. Obviously, he didn't get a lot of help. Uh, certainly not from Isaiah Wynn, who got, you know, who I thought might have to look right. for another another job after uh, Chase Young. Uh, I, I actually didn't even just on that play alone. Did it look like Wynn? Did Wynn hear, hear a whistle or something? It looked like he stopped playing. Yeah, I, I do think it's really important because I know a lot of Patriots fans on Twitter and even Patriots uh, commenters here in, in the comments section are talking about how Cam can't see blindside pressure and, and can't hang on to the football. I mean, Chase Young just made a Chase Young type of play. He killed and, him. I, just, I, I didn't yeah. understand. Like, it looked like wind stopped completely there. Yeah. I don't it was a anyway. punch. It was a punch dip move, right? You punch. You get into the guy. You punch him, and then you dip around the. You dip around him and get out around the corner. And, and Cam, when he kind of set the protection there, he's expecting Isaiah Wynn to block his guy, right? And so there's no there's no For fault. At least in the a little longer, See, right? There's no fault of the quarterback there on that particular play. So I think that's important to mention. I, I think what we saw from Cam though, in space in in. At times, was the, the underneath route to Johnny Smith, for example, where he gave it to Johnny, laid it out for him, and allowed him to catch and run with it. That was, it's not a long throw. It's not a throw that was, it's not a 40 yard bomb or anything like that. But the timing of that play, the fact that he put it on him where he did, I think there were some improvements shown in that little glimpse and that little throw. But the one thing that I see, and when I sit there and I see the bird's eye view of things, is and look, I think the most important element to mention here is the, the Patriots' offense against Washington's starting defense tonight was at, was minus Nelson Aguilar, who's the deep threat in this offense, right? right. So at some point in time, uh, Nelson Aguilar will be here, and then it's going to it's going to provide that field stretching ability. But the the problem that I saw from the bird's eye view is that the way Washington, even in the preseason game where I don't think that they were doing a whole lot of game planning and stuff like that, they were crowding the line of scrimmage when Cam was in the game, right? They, they had eight, nine, one play I, I saw, they had 10 guys in the box, right? And, and it was the same. The safety is maybe 10, 12 yards off the line of scrimmage at most. It was the same compacted area that it was last year. And yep. That is a concern to me that I, I thought that Aguilar would fix, so maybe he still can fix it when he comes back. But that that is a, an element of it that I did see. It's post safety, single high safety. They don't they don't care about Nikhil Harry on the outside, right? They don't care about Jacoby Myers on the outside. If Cam is going to beat them throwing at Jacoby Myers ten times a game, then the defense is going to say so be it. Right. What we care about is the run game, stopping the run game, taking that away from the Patriots offense and basically daring Cam Newton to throw the ball outside the numbers. And they did that here tonight and he didn't throw it outside the numbers. I thought there were a few opportunities where he had one on one uh, with Nikhil Harry and didn't want to throw it there. Right. Or just didn't decide to pull the trigger there for whatever reason. But uh, I, I don't think that we can look anything in to what Cam did out here tonight because I've seen enough out of him in training camp to see real improvements uh, with his timing in the offense, his understanding and grasp of the system His because of those things have improved. I have seen better accuracy out at practice from cam because he's making quicker decisions. He's making, he's going with the right places with the football. So I base this game to me for, it's a total wash. I don't think that we can learn anything whatsoever. So from this game if, from if, if you came in feeling it's still, Cam, you know, if the general consensus around the quarter, because again, 
why pretend we're we're concerned with anything else at this point? That this is the number one story uh, with the team, uh, and until it resolves itself, it's really hard to focus on anything else. But if this is it, um, you know, you have all of training camp where you've seen what you've seen, and then you have this game. Does the conversation change at all? Does the needle move in any direction off of tonight after tonight? I, I've been thinking the needle's been moving in Mac Jones's direction for a couple of weeks now. Like, yeah. I mean, or I guess I, I should say a week now, right? Okay. Really, once they got over, once he sort of got over that first padded practice, first padded practice for Mac Jones was not particularly good throwing the football. But then in the second padded practice, third and fourth padded practice, he started to really get a grasp of the speed of contact live football at the NFL level. And I think it just took him maybe a practice to kind of, get a feel for it and and understand what he was going to be up against now that he has he's really like I keep on saying it's not necessarily I don't think Cam Newton's a bad quarterback I I think Cam Newton can still play in this league (laughs) I I, I'm not going to say that I still think that Cam can play yeah I, I still think that there are moments especially in practice that we have seen Cam make some really good plays you know he he hit an absolute bomb to Christian Wilkerson in practice uh, I practice three or four uh, down the right sideline with Jalen Mills in coverage perfectly in stride 50 plus yards on a dime you know throws to Nelson Aguilar down the field but when he is at his best is when he is a see it throw it thrower right he is not an anticipatory thrower he's not a timing and rhythm based thrower he is a see it open throw it type of passer and he's a more of a vertical passer than he is that horizontal stretch throw it underneath the defense pick apart by a depth of a thousand paper cuts that that's not going to be cam newton's game and i keep on saying this if they are going to stick with cam and they're going to go down the cam path they need to adjust the offense to his skill set and to his strengths and really start to hit the intermediate and the deep level of the fields incorporate the tight ends over the middle throw deep to Aguilar, throw deep to harry you know those are going to have to be that their offense because if he is just trying to hit the top of the drop make a quick decision with it throw it to a receiver with anticipation yada 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 that's just not going to be consistent enough for him okay finish this sentence on the screen mac jones will have his first start for the patriots in week nine ten you're going week one so here here i started i actually started taking even money bets with my friends on it Okay, so here's the two the two <laughs> things I, I'll say, and I know. That Let me ask you this for real, and I, I right. want to hear your thoughts because I don't know if you think Bill thinks this way, but as I said, I don't know that Mac plays his way into the starting role any more than Cam loses it. And if you create an environment here where that's what's happening, that's not great for anybody, right? That's what I. That's why I think. If it's close, it's Mac, because if that's ultimately where you want to get to, you might as well get there now, Uh, because the worst thing you could do is put Cam out there, have him have an 11 for 24 opening week loss, and then immediately, you know, and again, Bill doesn't care about controversy. That's something that it's fan and it's media driven, but that's going to be an issue. You definitely have Cam guys in that locker room versus Mac guys. It's going to be an uncomfortable situation if a guy's just basically you're sitting him up you're setting him up to fail because I don't believe they want Cam Newton to be their starting quarterback all season long. I mean, maybe if he was playing at a, in a, an elite level, but if he's anywhere close to the guy you saw last year, inevitably, I think he he's going to, he's going to fail. He's going to come out of that. If they had Mac Jones last year, Cam Newton would have been benched at some point. 
there's no question about it. They didn't. They had Stidham, and that's why he stayed in there. So what was your, what's your take on it? So I, I think that there is a lot of elements to this that we have to keep in mind, and I know that people are going to roll their eyes and say that there's no way Bill thinks like this, but I really do think he does. First of all, week four against Tampa is a game that we have to think about. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he wants to see if they if they put Mac in there because he gives them the best chance to win. That's what we'll hear all week from Bill Belichick. Now, maybe he also thinks if Mac is going to be made of anything in this league, he can't he can't be afraid to go up against Tom Brady in his return to to New England, right? He has to be able to to rise to that occasion. But to me, uh, week five is the earliest that I see that happening because I don't you know. Think if it's the post Brady game. I just don't know if Belichick wants to make it truly Mac versus Brady because the comparisons for Mac are already going to be extremely lofty. And if you put him in there in that situation, especially if he gives Brady a game or even beats Brady, then it's going to, the hype is going to be absolutely unreal. The other element that I think is important. And again, I, I, I know that this feels ridiculous, but week eight in November, Cam Newton goes back to Carolina, right? And that's his homecoming and his yeah. game back and in his in where it all started and his version of the Patriots for Tom Brady to a degree. And for a guy that fell on the sword essentially for Bill Belichick last year and has done everything right, has been the leader that they yeah. wanted him to be, worked his butt off, is Bill Belichick going to make Cam Newton go back to Carolina as the backup quarterback to a rookie? I don't know that 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 part of it I, I have a tough time with because a lot of those veterans in the locker room I think are going to look at that and say, "Damn, if Bill will start Mac and, and put Cam on the bench and make Cam go back to Carolina as a backup quarterback, uh, that that what would he do to me, right? You know, what, what would he? I'm chopped liver then, right? You know, those types of things. So I don't know if. If Mac is going to win this job at, at a camp and I are out of the preseason here in week one, I don't know. We're, we're so far away from that. It, it does sort of feel like maybe Cam isn't here because that's my thought too. I, I just, I don't know how they, how they move forward with Cam Newton as a backup I quarterback, believe, not a backup quarterback. Again, my crystal ball based on nothing other than my opinion is when they decide that Max the guy, Cam is given a chance to maybe latch on with somebody else right. after, after week three of the preseason or something like that. That's how, or or they trade for something to some team. Maybe there's an injury. Maybe there's something. I think they want to do right by him. I think dragging him along to back up Mac after all of the things that you said here would not make sense. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if that were the case. And I think Stidham being hurt complicates things because you would be riding with just Hoyer here uh, and nothing else behind it. And again, this is where I think, you know, you never know what's going to happen, what other quarterbacks might get cut. I could you see somebody who's on somebody else's roster coming in here to back up Mac Jones? I don't think that that's beyond the realm of possibility either. So I, I think all of those balls are in the air, but again, it will continue. You're right. It's another week of joint practices, Philly. Uh, you're going to be there. Then another preseason game. We'll see right. how that goes. Uh, let's touch on a few other things here sure. uh, that you uh, that we uh, uh, you know hit on briefly. One thing I wanted to talk about because he's always he's always a story whether he does something or doesn't do something. Um, and in this case, having been such a consistent camp performer, 
people wanted to see how Nikhil would play uh, in the game. He started. Um, then he played a lot and he played well into the third quarter, uh, with the second team, with the second unit and beyond uh, in, in 15 pass attempts in the first half, he was not targeted a single time. He finally got one completion on a little underneath, uh, route there where, you know, on a third almost, down where he almost able, broke the tackle, but and he kind of broke it, right. it, you know, but he got the first down, I believe on that. Um, you know, so whatever, you know, got, got moving a little bit, just, just couldn't quite get around the guy. But still, you didn't see it. And so last year was the question of, I mean, the, 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 the stats are terrible. The, the PFF stats and the advanced metrics right. about how covered he is all the time. He's basically the most covered receiver in the NFL. His separation, his ability to get open, you know, is non-existent, it seems, or at least based on last year's numbers. But you're seeing him consistently get open in camp and make plays was he there for – were there plays to be made today? Could the ball have been, you know, gotten to Nikhil, or was he running down the field just blanketed by somebody, you know, so, all, all so game long? The one thing I will say is it did feel, especially late in the game when he was still out there in the third quarter. Now, one part of me sat there and said maybe – there's a couple elements of this, right? Maybe they're trying to showcase him, right? That's element number one. You might want to throw to him if that's right. the case, but yeah. Element number two is maybe they wanted to give Mac Jones a – viable receiver to play with and that wasn't uh, no offense to Christian Wilkerson and Gunnar Oshevsky and, and players like that but just somebody to throw the football to and number three was it was it almost felt like it was you requested a trade I am going to make you run wind sprints for three quarters in a, in a meaningless preseason game I, I I know that that's sort of like conspiracy-ish but that's like that's seriously what it felt like to me at some point because they weren't throwing him the football. 98 right? degrees, you're playing all game long, and I'm right. not giving you the ball. And I'm not going to throw you the football. So I, the only time where I thought that maybe they had an opportunity to push the ball to him downfield a little bit was there was two plays early on in the game when Cam was at quarterback, and I had mentioned that the safety over the top was in the middle of the field, and they just didn't care at all about the outside receivers. And they left Nikhil on an island at least twice with just him in the corner all the way to one side of the field, and there was no safety that's going to alter any, any throw over the top. And Cam just didn't look his way or didn't go his way with the ball. I thought maybe they could have thrown the ball up there at some point to him just to see if he could go up and get it. But it, he, he continuously looks more explosive off the line. I, I don't know how much to look into it just yet, but when you see him build up speed now, especially in that first eight to 10 yards and in the past, it was like his feet were in, in, in stuck in mud, right? Like he was wearing cinder blocks around his, around his feet. Now he does have some explosiveness and some giddy up when he comes off the line of scrimmage into his routes. So hopefully that, that can develop into more production for him down the road, whether it's here or someplace else. But tonight it, it kind of felt like he was just out there running wind sprints for the Patriots on the outside. And he was playing the X receiver spot without Nelson Aguilar. So I think it's pretty clear that he is the backup X right now. And they might not view Kendrick Bourne or Jacoby Myers as a true X, and he might be on this team in that role. So, I mean, but if you're starting in two receiver sets with a full healthy roster, you think it's, uh, you think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's Aguilar and, and Myers with, with, Bourne, with, with Bourne as your third receiver, right? 
You would think so. And then obviously with the two tight ends, you would hope Hunter Henry be back for week one. And, and right. that was how the offense would roll. That's sort of what they, it felt like they were trying to do with 21 out there tonight with Yakum Johnson. Yep. I, it just sort of felt like that a little bit. But I think that the biggest thing that you you saw in terms of Aguilar being on the field in practice is what I mentioned earlier about the safety over the top, right? When you have a guy like Nelson Aguilar who can actually run deep routes and get open down the field and has legit NFL speed, it, it makes the, the safety alignment a little bit different, right? It, it makes the offense a little bit less condensed. And out here tonight, that starting unit with Cam, obviously they missed Hunter Henry, but they I thought that even more so to a degree, they missed Nelson Aguilar because they just didn't have a field-stretching As, element at all. Especially with, with between Harry and Myers, you know, it's, I mean, there's just, you don't have anybody right. who's, at, you know, at all a threat to run by you on the outside there. Um, so, Last thing again, sticking with you know, defense. Hard to say here. Uh, anything that you liked on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, it's again a bit of an incomplete. You're really short-handed in the defensive backfield. This is an issue with or without Stephon Gilmore, um, and so and will continue to be until that that gets resolved, uh, and even after it gets resolved, because they don't really have. Um, a lot of depth there. You've got Jalen no Mills is covering Terry McLaurin to start the game. Yeah. That's one of the best receivers in the NFL. And Jalen Mills is a is like a safety nickel corner. I'll play right. all over all over the field. Not traditionally the type of guy that you would place on you know another team's top receiver and say, hey, follow follow this guy around. So that's certainly not uh, a recipe for success. Uh, you know, and you have JC in there. Duggar, I thought again, not looking great in coverage. And this is a you know something that you've seen before uh they might have some issues covering back back there and again you didn't see it wasn't exploited really tonight but you got you know a couple of series out of the washington starters and then that was it and then you know uh, you know not much else beyond that but that's definitely something to look at in this defense where you know a lot of people are talking about this could be a really really good defense they got to shore that up i think so the front seven, I think, is, is good. Deep in droves, like yep. they have all sorts of depth. They have all yep. sorts of flexibility. They can play a lot and, of different ways. Sure, and and Josh Uche, I think a lot of people that we've been hyping up Josh Uche since the spring. You saw some of those flashes out there tonight. Yep. A couple of pressures, uh, even though they got the first down on him, it looked like he was in pretty good position on that play and coverage that he was in the flat. Right. Uh, you saw some on the line, off the line ability from Josh Uche out there tonight. I thought Ronnie Perkins late in the game. Game was able to get some push out on the edge and, and push the pocket and collapse the pocket and keep contained and things like that. That was good to see. I, I also thought that at, at times you, with that starting defense, there were some dominant run reps, in particular the one obviously where Judon uh, just exploded out of the cannon from the backside and was able to yep. chase it down. When you watch that play, Lawrence Guy and Kyle Van Noy make that play on the play side, right? They're the ones that eat up the blocks on the on the play where the play is aimed to hit. And, and because they they, yep. they reset the line of scrimmage and there was no downhill element for the offense, it allowed Judon to catch up from behind and make the yep. play that he made. So Lawrence Guy taking on combo blocks and not moving, Kyle Van Noy blowing up tight ends. Uh, same old, same old, right, from those two guys. You that, love using Lawrence Guy. Lawrence Guy is just <laughs> – he is a technician. He comes in the trenches – and nobody moves him. And yeah. they all they needed was Devon Godshaw. And they, they played a Kim Spence with the starting defense. I don't know what that's all about. But regardless of that, 
they they were able to hold the line of scrimmage. They've got bodies now up there for sure. Thank God, because Lawrence yeah. Guy needed some darn help last year, yeah. and now he's got some help because he certainly. And you had guys problem. playing just out of position, not to their strengths, uh, all over that front seven last year, and it showed. Um, just guys who were situational guys playing too many downs and just not being, you know, the the, the right person there. And now they've got as you said, they've got all the bodies and all the pieces there to be able to, you know, to, to, to be successful there. Right. But the right. second, the, the, secondary. The, the issue, and I've been hard in the reason why I wanted to preface this by saying, I think that they can mix and match and get pressure in the front seven. And that might be able to mask some of the issues that they're going to have in the secondary. But I have been saying for a week plus now watching out at training camp, the secondary depth is a problem. And yep. the issue is, is that, and look, we can sit here and assume that Stefan Gilmore is going to come in on, on his flying carpet and save the entire day, right? Which is, is very possible, right? I mean, he's Stefan Gilmore. So there's definitely that possibility open that he can come in and save the day here. But the problem is, is that the two players in this secondary that are very beatable are Kyle Duggar and Jalen Mills. And if you're an opposing offensive coordinator, you're going to target them. You are going to draw up plays to get number 23 and number two down the field in coverage. And you're going to throw at them all game long. And you don't have to throw at 23 and 27. You don't have to throw at, at 31. Right, you could you don't have to throw at those guys. You can throw consistently at the weaker links, and that's what the NFL is all about now. All these teams they Find got four, four or five guys that can go out there and catch passes. Find your matchup. Uh, tonight, uh, Logan Thomas is a converted quarterback that's now playing tight end for Washington. He's having a really great camp. Everybody down in Washington is saying all sorts of uh, crazy stuff about Logan Thomas and how good he's looked down there. But Kyle Duggar on that particular play gets back shouldered. It's a tough play. He's got inside positioning, inside leverage. They made a nice, a nice kind of call. He, nice out, but. he wasn't able to turn his hips to follow him when he when he broke outside, nor did he turn his head. As soon as Thomas made a move, Duggar just kind of floated. I mean, he wasn't even close right. to defending that play. Right. I thought later on the ball that he was targeted on with Miles Bryant and the two of them nearly came up with an interception, much better technique in that coverage there. So it, it all depends. You know, they, they play the leverage based off of the split of the receivers. So the tight Logan Thomas on the first one has got that condensed split, and, and that means inside leverage for the corner, and that does make the back shoulder with that much room to the sideline. They throw a back shoulder fade with all that green space over there. That That is tar- hard to – to defend but Jalen Mills gets burned by Terry McLaurin that was no contest Kyle Duggar gets burned by the starting tight end of Washington comes back later in the game and kind of makes some progress there a little bit but you look at sort of those weak links it's in the probably- secondary and they exist and and then they have no depth right and so that- if Juan Gilmer gets hurt if JC Jackson gets hurt then then they're going to have problems with depth and Juwan Williams playing so the final whistle tonight, really, the, I, I, he was up at the podium and everybody kind of made him a player of the game because he had the pick and defended the two-point conversion. But in reality, that's that's a problem, right? That, that, that Jawan right. Williams is supposed to be the guy and he's playing. Yeah, and, and, and it is a problem. And that's a, those are, these are, 
you know, there's just demoralizing sort of things that happen to your defense. Everybody, you play well, and then you're just not able to get off the field on third down because you're giving up completions like those to, to Thomas or to McLaurin because those guys are just going to get beat um, right. because they're, you're going to find a matchup out there. Uh, and you just you can't hide those guys anymore. As you said, every team's got four or five, six guys they can throw out there. They're going to find you out there. Um, so those weak links do get exposed. Um, I don't know how you solve that depth. I'm not really sure what you what you can do there. Outside, um, out, from outside. And and I think the one guy that you're going to really you – you see that they miss already is a guy j- – just a guy like Jason McCourty, who yep. is not a, a flashy player by any means, but he's consistent. He's reliable. You know what you're getting out of him every single Sunday. And they thought that Jalen Mills was sort of a younger – option there a younger Jason McCourty that can play a little safety he can play a little corner basically do exactly what Jason McCourty did here for the last couple years and he's 10 years younger right or or whatever it and it is and I think that that's something that they were hoping for and I've just watched Jalen Mills whatever even if he's not at corner right everybody wants to say oh well he's not going to be an outside corner because Stephon Gilmore is going to be here okay but if he's guarding somebody in man-to-man coverage he is getting beat whether it's at outside corner inside the formation safety coming down to take a tight end whatever the case may be he's not a good coverage guy he hasn't been a good coverage guy in Philly he's not a good coverage guy here and that is a concern that I have moving forward with this team. I didn't get the I didn't get the signing to begin with. Um, I know Bill likes his versatile type players, but you, you're worried that this is kind of a you know a jack of all trades, master of none sort sure. of uh, player uh, here, and that's fine if you're using them situationally or as depth, but not not great when they're uh, uh, starting or on the field a ton. Um, you know, at, you know, critical times and critical matchups. So I'm with you on that. That 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 does worry me a little bit there too. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Other guys who flashed, I don't think these are people who are going to make the team. Uh, Wilkerson, uh, you know, again, had a good game. Was they targeted, targeted him a ton. Yeah. Targeted heavily. He can get open. You know, he runs good routes. Yeah, and, and we, we were kind of saying the same things about Jacoby Myers. Where we were like, but it's Jacoby Myers. He's not going to make an right. impact. And then he became your best receiver. So Right. Yeah. He can – Christian Wilkinson can definitely get open. He's gotten open consistently consistently in practice. Now, I didn't see his hands or him fight the ball in practice as much as he did tonight. Tonight, he really seemed to be fighting it a lot out there. And that in practice, he's been a lot more consistent with his hands than what he was in this game. So maybe he was just jazzed up and a little bit too jittery or had some nerves or something like that. And right. got a ton of pre, uh, training camp buzz. Everybody's talking about him as a player to watch coming into this game. And, and maybe it, it just kind of got to him a little bit. I hope that, that we see more of the practice Christian Wilkerson and the game Christian Wilkerson we saw tonight because he had the six catches, but he really could have had more out there, I thought. And especially on that deep ball from Mac. I mean, yeah, it's tight coverage, but the ball is well-placed. Fight through some contact. I think you've right? got to finish, finish through some contact you, and make a catch. You have to go. He had to make a more aggressive move to get it. Uh, right. to, you know, uh, whatever it is, you just kind of, you know, let it, let it fall there. And you're right. There, there might've been some hands. Uh, but, but 
I could see a path for Wilkerson if, if Harry gets moved. So the, the most important thing for Wilkerson probably, and we, me and Alex on, on Patriots Beat have talked about this a ton. If you look at the opening kickoff tonight for the Patriots, number 17 Christian Wilkerson is out there on the kickoff coverage team, and he's going to be on this team as a fourth, fifth, sixth receiver on the depth chart, right? And if, they're, if he's going to make the team, he's got to be a core special teamer, and they have really groomed him in that department. Matthew Slater, Justin Bethel, uh, Cody Davis worked really hard with Christian Wilkerson in kick coverage and special teams. So I actually think that they view him as somebody that's going to probably be a depth receiver his entire NFL career, but could he potentially be in that obviously he's not going to be Matthew Slater, but can he potentially be a Justin Bethel? Can he potentially be a Matthew Slater in terms of being able to contribute in that phase of the game and being one of those core guys? A brand, the, the comparison Alex used, which I thought was really good, was Brandon Bolden, right? Somebody that played a little bit on offense in his career, mostly in the kicking game. It's not a Slater type that's only special teams or a Bethel type that's only special teams, but somebody that can contribute in multiple ways. Seeing him go out there with the you know the the number one kickoff coverage team i know that john's rolling his eyes at me but seeing him go out there with that group that's telling right that they already see him as sort of a core member of that group they don't cut a lot of guys that they see as a core special teams player you know those guys usually make this make the team what 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 will you do if somebody ever replaces matthew slater (laughs) i don't know but you know at least with Christian Wilkerson, he like look, he's not going to bring the leadership stuff as Matthew Slater does. He's not going to be here for 15 years like Matthew Slater has been. But Matthew Slater is does not play any receiver. And at least Christian Wilkerson in a pinch could play a little bit of wide receiver for you. So he can play a receiver. He can play on fourth down. He can play on all the different special teams units. They're clearly grooming him for that type of role. And if you're Matthew Slater, Matthew Slater is 35 years old. He has gone year to year for the last couple of years, really, and and really contemplated retirement a bunch of times, right? I I think that there's a really good chance that we're coming up on the last year of Matthew Slater's career very soon. It could even be this year, might be the final year. And I think that he's trying to pass that torch to some of the younger players. And Christian Wilkerson is one of those guys that's really stepped up to that role and and wanted uh, to be taught and and wanted to be groomed. Uh, in that Slater kind of way. Last thing to hit on, um, you, the, there's definitely – Harris runs uh, – as far as the backfield goes, there's a lot – it's crowded. Uh, Damian Harris runs with the starters. Uh, James White is James White. Um, we saw we saw good things out of Taylor, and obviously, uh, you know, uh, you know, Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, the, the 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 big run to seal the game at the end is going to be the highlight. But he ran right. hard, you know, again against second and third teamers uh, when he was given his opportunity. But uh, and then Sony, who again is looks like similar to what he was coming off of injury last year when he played in the back half of the year, a guy who looks like he's running with more purpose and burst more so closer to what he was his rookie season. Um, All of these guys seem viable. I don't know that anybody, I think Harris is probably your early down workhorse and I think that they're going to stick there, but I can see a lot of interchangeable parts here, but it is a little bit crowded. How do you see things shaking out? I don't put any stock into Ramon Stevenson's game tonight, and that's no. It's hard. It's hard. Too. I'm just, we're going to point to it because he had the big flash play, but that's sure. You know. The 91 yard touchdown looks nice. The the run earlier on in the game where he ran somebody over that was a nice play as well. Yeah. 
And we do see some of those flashes in Cam. Now, obviously, one of those big I like what I saw out of JJ. Yeah, it was running over Miles Bryant, who's 150 pounds, soaking wet. So that's not really too impressive, I guess. But I I think what I still hold on to with Ramondre Stevenson, and I I know he's going to be a big name coming out of this game because of the stat line, right? Two touchdowns, 125 yards, 91-yard TD. Uh, You continuously hear from running backs coach Ivan Fears that Ramondre Stevenson is well behind the eight ball here right he was dinged up a lot in minicamp dinged up a lot in otas didn't really get out there a ton he is well well behind where they want him to be to throw him into a game that's not a preseason game so he is 110 percent headed towards patriots rookie red shirt 110 percent and that's definitely i think what's going to happen with him even after a game like tonight against a bunch of backup players some guys on washington's defense he scored that 91 yard touchdown on is not going to be in the nfl in, in a couple of weeks right so uh, you have to put that into perspective jj taylor needed to show something tonight because he hasn't had the best training camp to date he's been a little bit quiet in training camp i thought there were some elements of that burst that run where he broke a tackle put his hand down to keep moving his legs and that that was a nice play i do think he brings some kick return ability i thought there was one kick return where he had an opportunity to kind of hit the hole and and go for a big return and the crowd kind of sensed it and sort of started to make some noise but it closed down pretty quickly on him so I, I don't know. I, I think J.J. Taylor is still a player, and I'm going to do my 53-man uh, roster projection either uh, tomorrow or on Saturday. And I, I have him off right now because he just hasn't done enough to me in training never. camp. And they have six running backs. And if Ramond, unless Ramondre Stevenson, and I, I kind of wrote this in the blurb, unless Ramondre Stevenson is going to be IR'd because he's a rookie running back and the Patriots never play rookie running backs that weren't drafted in the first round, I – if that, unless he's going to end up on IR, then there's just you carrying six running backs is very, very difficult to do. It, it's it's really hard to do, especially when in a COVID year, you still kind of have to carry three quarterbacks. I would say because you can't be stuck in a situation where you don't have a starter or a backup quarterback because somebody contracts COVID. You want to keep a bunch of these guys in the front seven. That's important. Uh, we're talking about guys like Christian Wilkerson potentially making the team. You have a bunch of rookies that are obviously going to make the team and be good contributors. So I don't know that that six running backs is a huge number to me, and, and I don't know if they can get to six. Yeah. Uh, and no, it's, it's not likely. Um, and, and again, you don't know what goes on with Sony and whether or not, uh, you know, he's, uh, somebody who could potentially get moved or not, but otherwise it seems like the top of that depth chart is pretty well set. Um, so that's, that's it. We had, uh, a, a whole lot of Mac, um, very little bit of cam, uh, more than you'd normally get to see in preseason game number one. So this did give us something to talk about, which is good. Um, sure. And, and as you said, the needle, I think, continues to move in Mac's favor. So we'll see what kind of next week holds. Um, uh, you're saying week nine, maybe week five. I'm saying week one. I'm sticking with it. Uh, you, you're, I think you're going you're gonna to start getting closer and closer to week one as time goes Bill on. Bill Belichick says real football starts around Thanksgiving. So yeah. my, my theory is, is that he's – Right around then is when they're going to want to start to make a push, right? And and they, I think they kind of ho- are going to hope 
for the first eight, nine, ten, ten weeks of the season that Cam kind of keeps them afloat and keeps right. them in the hunt. And then hopefully Mac is ready by by that point. You put him in around Thanksgiving, and that's when you sort of make your push. Gotcha. Programming notes here, Evan. You got anything coming up with Alex or anything tomorrow? You doing any uh, Patriots yeah. beat? So we'll have Patriots beat tomorrow, breaking down this entire game. Alex and I will go and yeah. watch uh, watch the game back and, and, and do all the things that we do post-game and uh, tomorrow morning. And then obviously we'll have a bunch of written content on clnsmedia.com from the game tonight. Uh, something on Mac Jones. I want to do some stuff on Kyle Duggar. Yep. Uh, maybe mention Quinn Nordine a little bit because I do think that that's another storyline with this team. So, yeah, uh, clnsmedia.com as always uh, for more written content on tonight's game. Pat Speed tomorrow. What time are you going to pod tomorrow? Do you know? Probably around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I would say. We usually do late afternoon. All right, guys, look for that 4 in the afternoon live Patriots beat. Uh, with the benefit of hopefully some film and, uh, you know, looking at the game one more time, uh, Evan and Alex, will, who, you know, we're both obviously down there uh, working the game tonight, uh, will give you their full analysis. Uh, YouTube channel, uh, if you want, for uh, all our post-game reaction, uh, Patriots Press Pass. Subscribe if you haven't already. You're probably watching on it right now. Any Celtics fans out there? And I know there's some crossover people, and some of you guys were on our Celtics post-game show earlier tonight. ton of Celtics content coming from Vegas. We've got a couple of reporters down there covering the Celtics at Vegas Summer League. Uh, they'll be there for the rest of the week, so you want to check out that content over there uh, awesome. as well. Uh, and that's it. Evan likes his basketball too. Love basketball, but I, yeah. I like to I like to stay as a fan of the Celtics and not, Jimmy Toscano not, watching the post game hey, show. Yeah. Is that the real Jimmy Toscano, or is that a is that a fake? fake I hope account? so. I hope, <laughs> I hope it's the OG Jimmy. I po- I popped on there for a little bit. We had another good Peyton Pritchard game. We had another. Uh, we had a good. Uh, Another good game from Neesmith and Romeo's a no-show. I'm a little dubious about that. Oh, no. That's your guy. I try. That's your guy. I try. I try. I try. Uh, but uh, that's it. But it's Patriots on this channel. No, Sony's not gone. I know, I'm know. i not saying he's gone. We're saying who knows what happens with Sony. He, he He's felt like an odd man out since last year, but I don't think he's gone. Yeah. Um so that, that's it for us. Evan uh, has a ton more to do, so we'll let him go. Like I said, he's down in Foxborough. Check out all of his stuff, clnsmedia.com. Thank you guys for hanging with us. Uh, and, again, check out Pat's Beat tomorrow at 4 for more uh, breakdown of tonight's game. Patriots beat the WFT 22-13. to The Mac Jones-Cam Newton discussion gets a little bit more interesting as time goes on. Good night, everybody.